This year, move the dirt and make an impact by signing up for Power Athlete Program to crush your goals. Join our tens of thousands of athletes around the globe already empowering their performance as power athletes. For less than a dollar a day, get our world-class coaching delivered straight to the palm of your hand. Our programming is performance-driven and goal-oriented. Finally tuned through my first-hand experience playing the NFL and subsequent decade-long coaching and collaborating with some of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. As a special time offer for the month of January, Hey Upfront for a full year of training will give you a free 15-minute consult with myself or one of the crew, plus your choice of nutrition protocol, putting you on the best path for success. Visit powerathlete.com forward slash training and start today. Those who start tomorrow never get shit done. Start fucking today. Everyone, thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio. This week, we are lucky to have Jim Davis of the Good Athlete Project join us to talk about the forward evolution of strength and conditioning in high school athletics. Coach Davis believes we stand on the precipice of where intelligent training meets biological potential. Finally, the responsible and effective SNC approach that high school athletes deserve. Here it is, episode 580. Mission Impossible 1? I no. At some point. Possibly. He's not a Tom Cruise fan. I'm not that big of a Tom Cruise fan. No. Dude. Look at his hair. I'm sorry. He's, he's not a Tom Cruise fan. <laughs> he's a Matthew Modine fan with that hair. Uh, what, yeah, is that what this indicates? I don't know who Matthew Modine is. Help me there. What do you, Who do you know? Uh, the folks at this table. Well, that's it. And that's What's your favorite it? movie of all time? Oh, man. I actually, so I've gone over this many times. Like most influential or app just straight out favorite. I think um, Fast and Furious is your most influential movie. Well, you just trying to be live like Dom by the Toretto. Time they got, like six. Like Dom Toretto, it's all about family. That's the one. I don't need school. I don't need good athletes. I just need family. Just family. Just family. Uh, I've seen zero of those, so no, it's not Fast and You're Furious. You're a fucking liar. <laughs> I've seen zero you Fast are and Furious. Fucking lying. I promise you. Um, for a long time, I would have said Braveheart. That's back in the day. Um, you know, actually, Tom Cruise, I, I like the, what's this? I'll keep this close. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's got a on it. Oh, nice. You know, we had this, like this guy on the podcast recently who was afraid yeah. to get up on it. Of the mic. And fucking, yeah, he was like, <laughs> Charles was losing his mind. Create a lot of back-end work. If you really want to get <laughs> Charles, Charles, John. <laughs> are, are, are you going to superimpose the skull behind me? He fucking superimposed. <laughs> you remember the goat from uh, Adam Sandler's comedy? I do. The and Adam like, Sandler comedy scene. He superimposed yeah. me. He doesn't even know what fucking superimpose is. That I do know. Goat. I'm going to stick my slip, my hickory stick up your slimy goat ass. I don't know if I can quote it, but I do I do remember. That'd be something to go back to. Of course. Still in a 25 movie? Who is the same uh, amount of money your mother charges for a blowjob? Oh, have another one, you lush. God, I fucking love that. Are we rolling? Is this copyright infringement? I actually actually still listen to that pretty often. I make my kids listen to it. To the Adam Sandler CD? Oh, yeah. I have it on Spotify. You are so shocked right now. I'm surprised you have a CD player, for one. No, it's on Spotify. Yeah, okay. So somebody loaded it to Spotify, and when I'm driving in the car, I listen to it constantly. And uh, my wife gets mad. She's like, don't play the Adam Sandler. And now the severe beating of a bus driver. That's right. Hey, Timmy, that's a brand new backpack. He's like, hey, Johnny. (laughs) God damn it. That stuff is genius. 
Yeah, and how the severe beating of a high school janitor. <laughs> there you have it. Mop, 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 mop all day. <laughs> hey, I just mopped there. I just mopped there. <laughs> God damn it. It's uh, comedic genius. I mean, it's really his finest work. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think he hit his peak there. Well, you know, the thing, uh, I think he was smoking a lot of pot, and now he's a dad. And, you know, they frown upon that stuff. And he smokes less, and that's why he's well, not as funny? I just don't think, like, when you have kids, you could be stoned. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do you have yeah, kids? I don't have kids, but I would guess that's right. That yeah, sounds about I mean, right. Like, uh, I'll tell you, maybe it'd be more helpful because my kids ask me some crazy ass questions. Yeah. That even I'd be like, man, that's, uh, that's thought provoking. Let me get into that one. And uh, Or they ask you to do crazy stuff. Like my son asked me to build him a robot. He's like, dad, do you think you can make me a robot? Like, What'd you say? I was like, yeah, let's, yeah. let's draw up the schematics. He's like, he's like, up in the shop, you think you can build me a robot? Yeah. I'm like, well, what's a robot for? He's like, I don't know, like clean my room, do all the stuff I don't want to do. And I'm like, yeah, let's go up to the shop. We'll do it. Sure. And, and then um, we went up there and he was like looking for things to make the robot. That didn't last long. No. Uh, and then the other one he came back is, uh, so we have a big creek in our backyard. Yeah. Uh, and there's a huge dam. And so I started kind of clearing the dam and cutting down trees. And so he came in with a drawing and he wants me to make uh, like a platform with zip lines across the creek. Brilliant. And like build like a fort and zip line and drew me out this entire schematic and like presented it to me. And he's like, what do you think? I'm like, great. So I put it up like right up on my mirror in my yeah. bathroom and I'm like, okay. You going just, through this? Yeah, 100%. I'm going to build it, it for him. Did he give you a budget and everything? How much is going nah, to that part to you? Budget, like he doesn't understand budgeting too well. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he's like, I'm going to pay you an Akeda Warriors. I'm like, okay. Do you, do you even know what an Akeda Warriors? No. Uh, A-K-A-I-D-O. A-K-E-D-O. Okay. Akeda Warriors. They're these little guys and they uh, like serve as currency basically no nah, like they're these little figures and you snap them into something and then they kind of go back and forth and they spin and they battle other akeda warriors and they have like a they're they're like they split in the middle so okay. if you can like knock its head off it'll split and then you win and then you have you snap them in and you battle so my son somehow got these things for christmas so now everywhere we go we have to battle with akeda warriors hmm. like everything i'll be like hey uh let's do this he's like like, but first, but first we have to battle. Yeah, but like, first we I, like, like I made him ribs last night, and he's like, "But we're gonna like." He's like, "I'm not gonna eat the ribs until you beat me three times." I'm like, "Okay," and like I secretly know how to beat him, but I also yeah. let him beat me a little bit because he gets a little sad if he can't beat me. Sure. So I'll give him like you one give him out just of ten. Enough. Yeah, like yeah, one out of ten. Yeah. And my wife's like, "Are you beating him?" I'm like, "Yeah, all day. I'm not yeah. giving into this little fucker." You got to own that, right? Because there'll come a day where that's not a guarantee anymore. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Maybe not Nikita Warriors. Maybe you'll always have him in that. But some things. So the cool thing about kids. Or, you know, being around kids yeah. is it keeps you still kind of connected with a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then my, the other funny part is hearing my daughters use slang hmm. and I uh, like hearing them Example. use it. Uh, yeah. Like they'll be like, that's sus. Like for, yeah, suspect. Yeah, I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, like, yeah, mean, I'm like, you know, we used to just say it's suspect. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, no. It's sus now. Sus. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. But I know like for slang to really work, I should know what it is. Fair. And, like when I told my dad, like, hey, dude, that's hot. He's yeah. like, what do you mean it's hot? No, like it's cold. Oh, that's yeah, real bad, John. Yeah, like, oh, that's real bad. But that mm-hmm. is good now. Like there, there has to be switch. I'm like, sus? You guys have been suspect for years. I yeah. sniffed you guys out a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, it's just lazy. It's suspect, just lazier, an abbreviation. Uh, come on, I was kids. like, you guys need to come up with your own slang yeah. that's so confusing that nobody knows what you're talking that's about. That's what it is. That's so, very fetch of you, John. Very fetch. Jim, the, welcome to the 2022 NSCA Coaches Conference. Thank you. In an undisclosed location. <laughs> that's right. Power Radio. We were actually underneath the coaches convention. 
in the <laughs> dungeon that they basically rented out to McQuilkin for, you know. We built some, this bunker. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to avoid the Rona. Uh-huh. That's right. I feel safe down here. Well, thanks. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Well, you spoke a couple days ago or yesterday. I time does yeah, time means nothing at a conference. But That's right. So in, you speak about? You know, all sorts of things. Nobody knows? Nobody can really tell. That's I, I try to keep people on their toes. Like, what the heck is he saying? That's what I want the message to be. This time, it was about high school strength and conditioning. So they just put out a big uh, high school textbook, which is like a nice move. So like to get into that, I'll say this. I think high school strength and conditioning is at the place where uh, like film study was maybe 20 years ago, like immediately pre-huddle, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just think high school strength and conditioning, I think people are doing it. Some people kind of well, some people, you know, but it's about to take a massive step. I really believe that. I think it's just the trickle down effect. It's NFL, it's college, it's it's high school. And I think we're there. So uh, yeah, the NSCA just put out a high school coaching manual and they, whatever, a year and a half ago asked me to write a chapter. So I did. And then this was a, a panel discussion at the book release. So that's what this one was about. What was uh, like, what was your focus? Mine was, I wrote the body weight exercises chapter, hmm. which was kind of interesting because I wrote it during quarantine and dude, that's like, that's what we were doing. Perfect. You know, so the, the timing was right. It also really aligns with, uh, with a lot of our philosophy, just like move well first, then challenge with intensity, et cetera, et cetera. So it was nice to, it was nice to be able to write it. And it was, like I said, I think it was a really big step forward. I hope it's going to be a really big step forward for high school strength at large. So that's what I spoke about this time. Is uh, the NSCA going to start incorporating uh, like high school strength coaches into their, I guess you could say like their cult? Into the, the I cult. Mean, well, I mean, that's a great pool. question. Like, I mean, it, it's kind of, you know. Uh, John Wellborn's feelings are not shared by this full podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying the NSEA is a cult. I'm just saying like the bigger pool of people. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like the, uh, I know that like, uh, what was it? The Strength Coaches Association started to like uh, bring in like ATCs and kind of incorporating more and more people in. I'm wondering if like high school strength coaching now will have like its own certification and more importantly be allowed to bask in the glory of that which is the NSCA uh that's a great I, I cannot comment on behalf of the NSCA but they've been really good to us and good to me and I think the answer is yes I think they see that potential too I think it's a it's just an enormous market <clears throat> I know Eric I was talking to Eric um who you all know and, and just like the trajectory to think vertically like it starts with like the appeal like an NFL player like an Olympian whatever it might be trickle down to uh, collegiate sports, send better people to the high level. And then you just keep taking steps back. It's funny because like LTAD's got a lot of steam behind it, right? Like like youth development, long-term athlete development. There's a lot of steam behind that movement. Um, and sometimes I think uh, high school gets overlooked, but like, you know, we've talked before. I, I think the prime time to work with a human being is in their adolescence. If you're talking about like any number of things, psychology, physiology, uh, it's it's one of the best times to start lifting. I, hopefully you're moving well by the time you get to high school, but resistance training, like serious speed training, taking sports to like another level in terms of competition, building like for lack of a better term, life skills, um, grit, gratitude, growth mindset, all that kind of stuff. Um, adolescence is the sweet spot. So uh, I, I do think the NSCA sees it. And I, I do believe that they're putting an extra uh, log on that fire. Nice. Well, yeah. I mean, that's where you should learn that stuff. If we're trying to teach somebody that that's in their right. 20s and 30s, we run into severe problems. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. <clears throat> so there you go. Should. And I think, yeah, that's like bring it back to like what I was talking about um, at this conference. Um, 
they've got to normalize the discussion. I think to your point, they've got to make it for lack of a better term, cool to be a professional at that level. It's cool to be, you know, a strength coach for the Titans. You know, that's cool. It's cool to be a strength coach at the university of Michigan or Alabama, um, to shine a light on the profession that I think has the most potential for growth would be between us at least. And whoever listens to this, just a good business decision, you know? Well, you got to speak to the athletic departments of all these schools. That's right. What's the default now for the strength coach? The lowest man on the football team totem pole. Oh, that's brutal. That's it's brutal that there's even an ounce of truth to that statement, which there is. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I mean, brutal. All of us have horror stories at our level. I mean, yeah. John, a little bit more impactful in terms of uh, long term. I mean, as, as taking uh, away from your career. Yeah, as mm. as fundamentally uh, like important as a strength coach is uh i always feel like uh for a lot oh maybe it's changed but like i feel like it's been kind of the the adjunct and Mm. um you know and especially in high school like anybody that can you know hey that guy's a strong powerlifter he should be our strength coach Mm -hmm. when powerlifting has zero carryover towards athleticism right and so like hey that guy can basically squat up and down with a big weight like that should be your strength coach like i'm not putting a ton of stock in what that guy's going to teach when you know, that's not reminiscent of what we're seeing on the field and asking yeah. somebody to be able to move through space and move well. I mean, moving from point A to point B, can somebody move well? Of, co- of course they can, but it isn't something that's fostering developing athleticism and movement. I agree completely. And I would even say, <clears throat> just to like give a nod to like, unfortunately where some undersupported high schools may be, is I don't even think a lot of people are employing the guy who's got a strong history in powerlifting. You know, I think it's just someone who likes to work out, yeah. you know, and or you throw like, him in there. You play college ball. Hey, you're Sp- yeah. hey the yeah. Spanish coach knows something about lifting weights. Let's go. get him yeah. in. Or, I mean, sorry, the Spanish teacher. He's right. the strength coach. That's right. So I, um, and I, I don't know if it's budget constraints or what. I mean, you know, it, it, like, yeah. it, it, it always seems like every, for the amount of funding associated with these schools, yeah. and like when you look at like um, through the FUSE program, we had a, a kind of a peek behind the curtain in terms of like funding for schools in Texas. Yeah. The amount of money that they have available mm-hmm. Uh, they they kind of act like my dad a little bit. Where like you know they're acting like every dollar is their last one. That's right. I mean, but it's amazing. Like when you look at these budgets and uh, like how much money they carry over and how it all works. Like they act like oh you know like I mean shit they have huge budgets. Yeah, and especially do. when you start kind of you know breaking it up between sports and like normal stuff. I mean, or between PE, uh, they have the budgets to make a difference. I just don't think that there is an intrinsic value associated by the people that are making these budgeting decisions. You know, it's, I, I agree. And that's why I do think that we're at like the dawn of a new age, not to be dramatic. I just really believe it. It's because I think, and not to discredit them at all. I think a lot of the people who've, who've risen through time to the rank of athletic director, superintendent, whatever it may be, whoever the real string pullers are, um, maybe it wasn't a big thing when they were in high school and it might be just as simple as that. They don't see the direct, benefit all the time. So proof of concept, I think we're proving concept in real time here. I think enough high schools are having enough success, um, implementing this that pretty soon, like I'll tell you the the situation for our district and like, I'm really fortunate to be at a great place with a lot of support. So um, my school has been fantastic. Uh, but we play at a pretty high level of, of athletics in Illinois. We're at a pretty darn good conference. Um, we were essentially the first domino to tip, our, our rival, you know, our crosstown rival for a hundred some years, they were the next domino to tip. And there's another one just West of us and another one just North. And I think it's eventually, it's going to be, you got to do it to keep up. And same thing with the film thing. You can't not watch film. If you're a football coach, um, you know, you can't, 
you can't not have an athletic trainer if you're playing contact sports anymore. You got to keep the kids safe and, and, and account for potential injury. And I think strength is just, that's just the next domino to fall. But again, Man, it's just, uh, the it's fact not that we're even yet. having this conversation in 2022 is insane. I mean, we, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, maybe California's just ahead of the curve. Like we had a, a strength coach, you know, and I mean, in the 90s. Yeah. You know, we had a. Like a true, like that was his job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I thought he sucked. I mean, he since passed away. He was really, he, he was a really nice dude, Jim Rundell. Um, I always really appreciated him. Yeah. Uh, I did not think he was a very good strength coach. Yeah. And I was trained by a guy named George Zangus, who's also since passed away. Hmm. And he was an old power lifter that trained us in his garage. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, every one of the guys that I uh, that came before me that ended up going on and playing in college trained with George. Yeah. And um, that was something that was always very important. Like it when uh, I was a freshman in high school, I think our uh, one of the – man, I think it was our defensive coordinator was our strength coach, uh, Coach House. And we had, uh, you know, all the coaches were actively in there mm-hmm. coaching people, th- you know, to teach and, um, you know, lift weights. We had a huge weight. Yeah. And it was important. And this was in like 1990. We, we had value in strength training. And there was an interesting transition because our school contracted out some mm. arena yep. football, Houston arena football players that had personal training experience to come in and like train us like athletes. Hmm. However, there was a transition in Texas rules, UIL. If there was a ball there, if it was considered a practice. So these guys, it was weight room and then field sports skills. They broke us up into different positions. Yeah. And it was an awesome experience for two years, my career. And then this rule came into place and they're like, well, we can't contract you guys anymore. Hmm. Uh, why is that? So then the like, I mean, our uh, high school coaches took over and, and then it was it awful. Just, and it started going him. Uh, you know, I, I remember in, uh, in high school, our, our head football coach, uh, Gary Kimbrell, um, he was a runner, like he ran marathons. I think yeah. he ran like a fucking marathon every weekend. So, I mean, our idea of like, uh, Hey, we're going to go out in uh, off season conditioning was mm-hmm. like 16 to 20. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we did that like three days a week. Mm-hmm. So we were out there basically running six, you know, it was a walk at 220, sprint at 220. Yeah. And you do that. Like, I mean, it, it was, you know, it was fucking awful. It was four miles. Dude, I'm with you. And, uh, I, I, I'll say two things. Number one, the fact that you all had it, maybe that's one of the reasons why California and Texas are just ahead of a lot of other States, you know, because they prioritize that a little bit earlier in terms of, uh, high school athletics and football specifically. Um, also, yeah, I, <laughs> I loved my high school line coach, but I was six two, two forty, not massive, not like, you know, big, massive, massive, but I was running those freaking things too. I'm running four hundreds. Uh, trying as I'm trying to bulk up, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I think a lot of good intentions, uh, probably a lot of focus Man. on psychological toughness, ah. but not a lot of strength and conditioning background. Dude, I, I sometimes wonder if it was good intentions or they just were so uneducated mm. they didn't know any better. And, and so <laughs> yeah. like, I, I Maybe. always wonder where like, like, uh, uh, like, like the line for good intention yeah. becomes like uh, a fucking liability for Dude, people and, without and, question. and going us out and burning us down every single day mm-hmm. and then wondering why, like, uh, you know, people aren't getting stronger. People are getting hurt. Like all these overuse injuries, yeah. like patellar tendon, all this other shit. And then, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it just, I don't know, dude, it, uh, I'm with you. like, like I, I, I look back, but it was probably better than what other people were doing, right. which was nothing. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, that's right. And, and yeah, the, the old saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Sure. Fair enough. Like, um, but I think it's, a, you know, good intentions are usually at least a good place to start. Right. Sure. And hopefully I hope the world of strength conditioning, uh, and I do believe that you guys lead the charge in a meaningful way on this is just being more thoughtful 
and deliberate. I think that charge is pushing forward too. I think the more people in it, the brighter light on it, the more room there is to be thoughtful and you can sort of weigh things against each other. Um, but well, I, to your point- It doesn't have to be complex. No, it that, doesn't have I mean, to be. That's, that's right. something that, um, you know, whenever we do any consults or worked with anybody from schools and, and uh, I mean, we've worked with a ton of high schools. Yeah. It's always like, uh, you know, Air on simplicity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they log on to the programs and they see this and this and they, you know, everybody wants like the shiny new car. And it's like, dude, the basics are the basics. Yep. These are the basics. And do them well. And do yeah. them well. Mm-hmm. And do them, and do them into ad nauseum until all of a sudden then you got to make a pivot. But uh, for most people, just being able to get people just to basic training and yeah. having access to it and doing it consistently yeah. pays the most dividends. Yeah, there's no question. And uh, access to it, I can't keep, I can't get this idea out of my mind because it was one of the things that came up in the panel the other day. Access to it is the biggest thing. So do you hire out? Do you hire a point person in? A lot of people are trying to do it through uh, their physical education department, which is fine, but tricky and doesn't always align with I think the athletics. easiest thing to do yeah. uh, is to contract somebody and bring them so? in. Uh, I, I really do. because The easiest uh, thing, for it's, sure. It's it's really easy to go out and, and find the right person. Like mm-hmm. There should be a, a, like a talent pool that you pull from, and you should be able to take that person in, tell them what you need, and drop them in for the specific role. Hmm. And uh, you should be able to monitor it. I think the problem when you start having to you know hire a person, do the other stuff, there's all this other kind of red tape. Yeah. And I think you need the ability to be able to be agile if the yep. person's the wrong person. Like if yep, you, if yep. you hire somebody in and you, you know, bring them in and it's a coach and you hire them and then all of a sudden it's two or three years and you realize it might not be the right fit. You're too far. Yeah. I would almost like be able to go out and, and want to bring people in and hear a bunch of pitches, bring somebody in and see how they do. And, uh, if they're the right fit, then you can contract them. And if they're not, you bring in somebody else. I like that. And I would say to, uh, to people who are anyone listening, who's like considering something like this, I think that's probably a really good way to pilot it because like one of the things we talked about like maybe the athletic director or whoever is the decision maker just doesn't see the value bring some folks in track it in some way show the value show injury rates going down show performance going up and then make the next decision because yeah you're right getting getting a full-time position is a monster task i think it probably is necessary at some point down the road but it's a hard task well it's also easier to go out to boosters and say hey we need to put about x amount of dollars together to bring this guy in a contract the other issue is do you have the facilities Mm -hmm. and uh the one thing we did learn about schools and and the military for that example or for that reason uh they like buying stuff yeah, that's right. So what's what's interesting about <laughs> the military right. schools is they don't mind spending money on equipment and stuff yeah. because at the end of the year when they do their accounting, that mm-hmm. stuff is there. When they start looking at education and all the mm-hmm. other stuff, yep. like those are kind of fleeting costs. Like how do we show like, hey, we, we paid this guy X amount of dollars to come in and coach us. Was it good? Was it bad? Well, we don't have that, but right. we can physically show that we have this stuff. And uh, that was something we ran into with the U.S. military. They That's were more point. excited in buying trap bars than they were than teaching people how to use the trap hmm. bars. Because yeah. at the end of the day, those people are going to roll out and, you know, God, uh, you know, God willing, you teach them how to use it and they go out and use it somewhere else. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they can go, well, we still got these trap bars. Right. So we effectively haven't lost any money because we still have these, you, even though right. we can melt them down and turn them into bullets. Like it, it's just a really kind of broken thought. Like I would rather invest in education. Yeah. No and doubt. Making people better versions of themselves and mm-hmm. empowering them and doing all their stuff than just buying bullets, beans, and bombs. 100%. The military and, and like, don't you feel like you, b- both of you with the understanding that you have, you could probably come in this empty freaking room and, and make a workout happen somehow. You know what well, I mean? I you could train. Steal, I would steal all your body weight stuff from that NSCA. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, chapter five, 
purchase it human kinetics i'm just kidding yeah uh, i get no kickback from that but but yeah I'm, uh, yeah seriously if, if you can move well but isn't it right educate the person rather than investing necessarily in the space He's, i mean the space we're in right now could be the most beautifully outfitted sornex top of the line whatever and someone with no experience or understanding comes in it, it means nothing well there's uh there's two approaches when people talk about technology yeah. when they think about technology they think about hardware and then they think about software mm -hmm. the problem mm -hmm. is is hardware becomes outdated software evolves mm -hmm. so if you go in and you teach somebody like a like an operating system like a training system yeah. like a power athlete training system yeah they're not really limited by hardware whereas if you teach somebody just how to use the hardware mm -hmm. if the hardware breaks they don't have access to it mm -hmm. that's the extent of it so what we always, or at least what I've always preached, I know Chris does as well, is like, let me teach you the, you know, the operating system. Let me teach you the methodology mm -hmm. and you can apply that methodology universally. It doesn't matter if we're in this room or we have this amazing Sornex deal. Yeah. The problem is they just want to invest in equipment and then teach some monkey how to run the equipment. <laughs> and the problem is that doesn't cause innovation. Right. And it doesn't uh, do anything to, to foster and develop what we need done. Or, right. or and the potential of kids getting hurt. So my dad still shares horror stories from his pals who got yeah. high school age kids. Hey, they were in the weight room. Yeah. Did this to his back. Like he can no longer play. Yeah. He's a baseball player that played football and, and yeah. unfortunately still hear these things within the, the Houston community. Yeah. Well, it, that's it, right. Because it uh, exists because one, kids are idiots. <laughs> like it, it's true. I mean, Jim, you know, like as a I, I have a three, statement, yeah. I have three kids. Yeah. And uh, like the, uh, like they just, they're um, not completely evolved humans. So their they're brains not. are moving in different ways. <laughs> yeah. And like you put them in situations yeah. and kids in, in, are inherently do crazy stuff. Like, like I, I've seen my daughters do things where I've been like, I would be right there with you if I was 10 years old, but that's like, right. I'm like, my heart's going to stop on this one. And that's just the nature of it because they don't think things through. They think they're invincible. You put them in a weight room and then you oh, add yeah. competition, the other stuff, dude, it's a recipe. You almost yeah. need somebody who's like, Hey, I know what I'm dealing with. I know how to put you in the best situation mm -hmm. and then let me protect you from yourself. Absolutely. And that brings up a really, I'll just say this, that, that brings up a lot of the core of our approach to strength and conditioning, especially um, not only at Nutria, but in the good athlete project and like everywhere we go um, is understanding the psychology of the person that you're working with. You know, that's so, okay, there's training age, there's all these essential, like how well they move, injury history, et cetera. Really, really important. But also like, are they sort of a numbskull? Uh, or is this like an advanced uh, athlete? Like you got to be able to tune in. Most people are. Most people are. I mean, uh, I mean, <laughs> even advanced athletes. Yeah, even Fair advanced enough. athletes. Yeah, I yeah. mean, dude, like, uh, uh, you know, you take people that are highly competitive and yeah. like, you know, yeah, one, oh, one yeah. person does yeah. something, everybody mm -hmm. else wants to jump in. I mean, uh, some of the worst That's a good movements point. I've ever seen happened in high school weight rooms when yeah. I was in high school. I yeah. mean, I, I watched a dude basically good morning, 500 pounds oh, and, man. uh, you know, thank God he had a belt on and knee wraps. Yeah. I mean, and like, the, like he had no business having anywhere near that weight on. Right. But like the fact that like the bar moved, everybody was cheering. Oh, I mean, I like, like, uh, I'm sure you see on Instagram, the I, people I will do. post these videos <laughs> and you're just like cringing. I was, you literally cringed just a second ago. Yeah. yeah. I can envision it. Like yeah. that poor kid who like cleans and the bar collapses and his oh, knees yeah. buckle and, knees, and this oh, man. and he somehow stands up with it and he's like, you know, looking like a dog shitting a razor blade <laughs> and his cheer teammates are cheering and the coach has the balls to post it on social media. Yeah. And then they get upset when people chastise them and like, right. this is awful. Why would you post this? I know. 
And uh, I like that's a that's a weird disconnect. But I mean, yeah. that happens everywhere on social media. Yeah. Like, like I see people post pictures of cars and other things and I just cringe and they're like, oh, you're, you know, you guys are haters. I'm like, yeah, uh, I don't know if it's being hating or, yeah. or or this is how society works when when things are so ridiculous. Yeah. People throw rocks at it to make it change. Yeah, I don't know. That's a great point. I, I have this sort of operating mantra. Uh, we call it. We just say, does your behavior match your goal? It's one thing, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I, I actually call it the mantra of practical mindfulness. It allows me to not get as pissed off about things as I used to. And m- meaning like, uh, I, I, can't, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I get upset about it or I, I, I get frustrated and then I try to calm myself down and take a step forward. Cause like, I think like the, the guys that ran people like us in, in high school, I think their hope was to create a fit, mentally tough, team i think that was yeah. the hope right well I, I like i have to agree with you on that there was um at the forefront of all the training yeah there was nothing about performance and getting better that's right everything was about mental toughness right and uh like i like every practice every yeah. conditioning day like when we break it up it wasn't like hey man you guys moved really well i was impressed with how you moved mm-hmm. everybody moved fast you guys look fresh everybody looked like they're ready to kill you yeah. guys worked hard today the right. only measure we had for success growing up for any sport was how hard you worked yeah, and like what the coach thought your investment was in terms of totally. like, like physical investment, mental, like, did we get tougher? Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. I mean, it, dude, I, I even saw it in the NFL with Dick Vermeil. Oh, you know, we're filling this tank. Yeah. He, he had this terrible analogy, but somehow every hard practice yeah. put something in a tank and then we would use that tank at some point, but all he ever did was just fucking empty the tank. Just drain the tank. Yeah, he just drained the tank. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I think it's messing up this analogy. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, uh, think about it, Chris. I mean, think, think about every, uh, like, high school coach, everything was always like, oh, you guys, you know, you guys went out today or you guys were huge pussies. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it, and there was nothing in between. Do you, it, yeah. Do you think it's because, similar to the, uh, to the, like, uh, administrative idea about a- adopting uh, high school strength conditioning, stuff like that? Do you think it's because the guys who were at the pinnacle of coaching in that era were like the Lombardi, Rockney guys? You know what I mean? Like like four yards in the clouded up. Like that's who that's who they were born, uh, raised, educated coaching by. Tree. Well, I mean, there's um, it, it could be coaching tree, but uh, you got to remember, uh, like you know, think about the movies at the time. You know, yeah. John Wayne and mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, I mean, uh, like every movie was about you know some guy overcoming something and, yeah. and toughness. And there, there was this idea that like, you know, we, you know, I, I used to hear this, you know, we might not be the most gifted, we might hmm. not be the athletic or the most athletic, but we're going to be the toughest people out there. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah. why the fuck is every uh, practice, everything about somehow fostering, developing mental toughness? Yeah. When at the end of the day, like, I mean, isn't like the mental toughness in the aspect kind of a byproduct? Well, John, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. God, I love those t-shirts. I love. Have, is that a power I, athlete t-shirt? I, I, no, it's not. Oh, no, I no. I What's that? the opposite? No, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like that. That yeah, would be, yeah. that would be a bumper sticker we would make that we would spoof and put on. But just a joke, yeah. Well, I mean, like it's uh, yeah. you know, like talent doesn't work hard when toughness is extreme hard. There you You're go. Like, do the, work. Do work. <laughs> do work. Yeah. Oh man, I, I like uh, it. I think that's the next product. Okay. Well, what if what, just hypothetically? What if uh, what if you were coaching a team and toughness really was the gap you, and from your perspective in performance? Um, 
I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, and maybe I'm, I'm too far removed from this thing where, uh, you know, sports in the NFL, where if people didn't want to be there, they would just get rid of them. That's sort of weeds itself out. So, I, would imagine. Uh, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know in a, in a high school setting. Yeah. Um, I also remember guys on our team just kind of auto selecting out. Hmm. Like it yeah. was, it was hard enough where like, if you didn't want to be there, people like weren't just hanging around because they thought they were going to have a good time. Right. And, and maybe high school football ha- or high school sports have to be like that. Maybe they have to make it just hard enough that the people that just want to have the Jersey hmm. don't think it's worth it. Were you guys no cut? Would like, could everyone make the football team? That's how it is with us. Like everyone's yeah. on the team. Not everybody plays, but everyone's, you yeah, know, you well, got a Jersey. It, it, Ever, like I don't remember them ever cutting anybody in yeah. high school. Yeah. Uh, but I remember we had like 80 dudes come out yeah. and uh, all of our starters played both ways and played special right. teams. Right. So we really only had like There's maybe stuff, 13 yeah. dudes yeah. out of like 85 that actually played. And I remember one time being like, what about those fucking guys? Do those guys play? Yeah. He's like, no, they fucking suck. And I'm like, why are they here? Well, they have, we have jerseys for them. That's right. And uh, and then I asked my coach and he's like, well, they'll just figure it out and either they'll yeah. keep coming or maybe they'll just won't. I, that's That's... Well, that brings up <clears throat> that brings up a ton of questions and ideas for me as someone who I, I played football for a long time, not as long as you did, uh, and then coached for ages. In fact, last year was the first year I did not coach in a long time, uh, coach football. And I always think about all those guys on the sideline. Like, how could how could be how could it be a better experience for them? Are they maximizing their potential? Are we as coaches maximizing their potential? Because if you got an eight, a roster of eighty guys. Uh, and 13 are playing. I can't help but think of the dick for me. Uh, you got a bunch of empty tanks out there, I would imagine. Yeah, no, we, I mean, everybody played both ways. Yeah. I mean, our, our starting quarterback was our free safety yeah. until he yeah, broke right. his leg in the third game. Oh, geez. And then we had to bring in, we actually had a specialist quarterback yeah. who didn't play safety. And, and you were probably tough as nails. Yeah. Uh, well, all we did was run. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was awful. I mean, like, like yeah. you knew showing up to conditioning, you're like, fuck, we're going to run 16 to 20s again. Yeah. And we, we mm. conditioned after every single practice. At the end. Okay. So, question. You knew that's coming every day, right? Yeah, and we also were told water is weakness, and we were only given one water break. My dad, when my dad was in high school, significantly older than than all of us, but uh, they, he they gave him salt tablets. Legitimately gave him salt tablets. Yeah, no, we we were allowed to bring water, but we were only allowed to have one water break. Yeah, uh, in between when we switched from offense to defense. Oh wow! And uh, we were told like, don't drink too much. That shit will make you weak. Water is yeah. weakness. If huh. you need water, it's because you're weak. Like I remember like hearing this stuff, Science. and I'm like, yeah, like it's <laughs> right. I got me fuck. You know? I don't know. No, I, I don't know. Um again it, it, it sounds almost so foreign. It, so, that it like, sounds made up it, almost. It, yeah. It sounds like a, like a real bad movie where you'd watch and be like, oh, this is so unrealistic. We had I was just told a story. So like you've heard the term like uh so motivated you'd run through a wall for a coach. You've heard stuff like that before, of course. Sure. Uh I had a coach tell me a story just recently about how when he was in high school on the first day of pads. Their coach, who absolutely was a product of the Rockney era, you know, old, old, old school, would literally have them kid up and run into a wall. And I, like, that's not a joke. There was a brick wall beside the football facility. The linemen specifically would kid up and he would just say, go. And he would like try to weed people out. Now, the way he would explain it to like parents and stuff was more like, uh, you know, we want them to get comfortable in pads. We, want, we don't want them to hesitate from, uh, you know, you could frame this however you want but like the most wildly misguided process you could ever imagine. But that stuff comes from somewhere. And the weird thing is we're not all that far removed from it. Yeah. No, I, I think the only thing that saved that is social media because now yeah. some kids yeah. videoing it. So could you before, imagine before we didn't have phones, so mm-hmm. there was no way to document any of this shit. 
So now they're like, somebody's got a phone to document it. And, yeah. then, and then they just shame people and people get fired. But because <laughs> like, I, I remember uh, coaches, you know, saying things to us and me going home and telling my parents and then being yeah. like, really? Yeah. Imagine it'd be different. and be like, look at this video. This coach just called me a motherfucker and uh, kicked this guy in the fucking balls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I, I mean, I, I watched, uh, I had a punch or I got punched in the face. I mean, through a face mask, I had my helmet on. Yeah. My coach punched me square in the face. Yeah. High school? In high school. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, that wouldn't fly anymore. uh, We were, um, so we had a drill where uh, I played. So we ran like a, like a three, four, pretty much like uh, I played like a wide five as a defensive tackle. Mm -hmm. And we had outside defensive end and nose guard. And then we had big linebackers that played, you know, right right over the guards. Mm -hmm. And so my whole deal was, uh, if the the tackle came down, I had to keep them off of the linebacker. Mm -hmm. So I had to like, basically like come off the ball and if that guy was going in I had to drive him and keep him off the linebacker so the linebacker can make the play sure and um I think in practice like the guy blocked down and, and I like hit him and then I went and made the tackle yeah instead of driving him to the ground to let the linebacker make the tackle uh-huh. and uh the coach fucking flipped out at me grabbed me by my face mask punched hmm. me and screamed everybody off the field I don't want to coach a team of fucking John Wellborns that won't do what they're told I bet he feels uh embarrassed now uh, and, and then what's crazy yeah. is then I went on and uh, uh, I went on and played in college. Obviously, got to play in the NFL, and uh, that guy was such a fucking asshole. He actually called my dad and asked for a jersey. No, he didn't. And uh, I told my dad, I'm like, don't give him one. And my yeah. dad actually, I think he sent him one. But like the guy was a legitimate jerk. And, I mean, uh, he, like, he was a uh, like. I mean, and, and that's what's, and, and what's wild, like, is there? <laughs> uh, I, I was a junior, and all the fucking. Uh, and then I get up there, and all the the senior dudes, uh, fucking, I had to fight them all. They got oh, in there man. like, you guys kicked out of practice, you fucking asshole. And so I had to fight like five fucking dudes and basically get in a, a huge melee. Good thing I grew up with older brothers and I'm pretty good with my hands. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, fuck it, let's go. And uh, yeah. we got into a huge fucking brawl. I got pinned down and fucking punched a whole bunch and got fucking basically uh, <laughs> like to give as good as I gave or gave as good as I got. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I was a junior because this fucking asshole, yeah. I mean, off of one play Called because I didn't front, yeah. do this and front calls me out and basically boots me. Well, uh, I hope the sport and all of us have evolved since then. That would be my hope. Uh, like, but I think there was a weird thing that somehow, and like, I, uh, like, dude, I'll, I'll tell you a funnier story. Uh, junior high school, we have a teacher named Mr. Renai, and I can use all these names because all these people are dead. <laughs> so Mr. Renai since passed away, but there was a kid, we were in class, and this guy was a year older than me. Uh, and I know because when I was still like a freshman in high school, he got his license, he used to pick me up every morning, he lived on our street. Mr. and I beat him up, like oh, grabbed wow. him, roughed him up, like threw him against the wall and kind of roughed him up. Yeah. Ended up, his parents came down, they called in, they had a meeting with Mr. and I, and Mr. and I basically said, I was trying to make a man of him. I didn't want, you know, basically uh, your kids, uh, yeah. uh, you know, I don't want him to, you know, grow up and, you know. I mean, I'm not going to say it, but like, I hear, uh, I hear I, you know, I don't between the lines. Yeah. He was, I mean, yeah. He, a boy like, named suing him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think he said, I don't want your son to grow up to be a homo. Oh, wow. And, uh, okay. And basically thought he was going to make a man out of him by roughing him up and huh. said this to the parents. Yeah. And I ended up hearing from it because my mom, uh, my dad's a lawyer or was a lawyer since passed away. Sorry. But uh, the parents called my dad and were like, can we sue these fucking people mm-hmm. and told my dad the story. And my dad told it to my mom who made the mistake of telling me and my brothers <laughs> who of course laughed our asses off. Uh, but like I, now I think about it, I'm like, dude, I was in sixth grade. He was in seventh grade and uh, older, you know, I mean, this, this guy was in his sixties. Yeah. Throws him up against the wall, kind of roughs him up a little bit and then has the balls to say that to his parents. Yeah. Well, that like, guy's uh, got to go. Well, he's, I yeah. mean, uh, like, of course, but yeah. like, that was a, a different time in mm-hmm. which we lived when that was just kind of acceptable. 
Yeah. Or no, I don't or, know if it was ever acceptable. Or, or but the unseen. fact that people thought that it was like, yeah. like the fact that that guy didn't get arrested Unchecked, and get fucking, right. you know, booted out and, you know. Yeah. You know. He should be in, that guy should be in jail. And, Not to, you know, rest in peace, I guess. I yeah, well, yeah, he, yeah. He, was a, he was a dick anyway. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, that guy should be in jail. 100%. And it's funny. That you, so uh, wh- what do you think the balance between like the visibility of all this stuff that's going on? Um, like wh- what's the appropriate level of accountability? Because I think I've heard you sort of lament the idea that like, I mean, everything's online now. You can't do anything in private. And there's also, there's hecklers. Well, there's shit, trolls, I mean, look, there's, at, uh, look at Antonio Brown posting private text messages yeah. and, and stuff. Yeah, and, From, with the coach. Yeah, with his head coach and calling out Tom Brady's people and all this. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, dude, the fact that like you have, uh, you know, and and um, I, I never played for Bruce Aaron, so I, I don't know him, but yeah. I know, uh, you know, his, no, I know his agent and I know people that played for him. Yeah have always said that dude's a player's coach and yeah. a really great guy to play for. Like he, you know, Hey, like let playmakers be playmakers. Yeah. He looks like uh, I played for some fucking prickish coaches and he's yeah. not one of them. He doesn't seem, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's, he's probably bent over backwards for that dude. And to have that guy try to out him and shame him is, is pretty awful. And I, yeah. yeah, I think it's a complex situation for sure, but it's like, you know, I, I've really tried to look closely at it in part because a lot of the work that we do is on the mental health side of things, but at some, but, but there are limits to this. There's from everything that's come out. I'm not sure that I've seen anything that would warrant the reaction, right? Does, well, yeah. he, he has, um, and you know, the thing I hate is in the NFL anytime, like, you know, some guy acts crazy, it's CT, it's right. brain injury. Yeah. Like, I think that guy's got emotional issues, and and I think it goes back to this uh, psychosis and a, a little bit of this nar- narcissistic personality disorder. That's right. That they're finding to be so prevalent with social media. Yeah, no doubt. Like, like I, I I did a deep dive on this. When we did this podcast on this recently. Um, the instances of of narcissistic personality disorder mm-hmm. in like kids as young as like seven, eight, nine, ten yeah, years yeah. old that they're observing because of social media. I mean, dude, you got to remember, man. I mean, AB. Um, Doing the Facebook Live with oh that was uh, yeah we would like that was ages ago yeah I mean that was and that was pre Vontez perfect hit which everyone's pointing at yeah. like that yeah that's true and to your point so just uh you know it would take two full podcasts to fully go into the CTE conversation which I have studied a lot too I'm not a doctor but I've I've written about it. I'd be happy to share with you guys but like I I started to write about it and this will map onto the AB story um, when Tyler Holinsky passed away you remember that Washington State quarterback. I don't know if you, yeah. Yes. Yeah. One of the stories. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, part of the conversation is like, you know, can you take, um, physical damage off the table and the explanation or the understanding of the human problem? You can't take it off. You also can't put it all there, right? That, that yeah. would discount the complexity of the human being. And in Antonio Brown's case, like there is a long, uh, and, His, and pretty yeah, well history. documented history, history of this, you know, erratic behavior. And, and I'm not, you know, well, the, uh, um, I mean, I, like I knew Junior Seau. I mean, yeah. I, I have some incredible Junior Seau moments, having not only played against him, having welcomed the NFL moments, but yeah. also socially. And uh, that hit me pretty hard. But the one that was most uh, impactful for me was, uh, and I'm totally going to blank out his name, the linebacker who killed his girlfriend and then went to the, the Chiefs facility and killed himself in the parking lot. He was in his second year. I don't remember. Um, I mean, like... Like that was like 2011. Yeah. I mean, not long after I left the Chiefs and that kid oh, was wow. in his second year. They sent his brain out. He had pretty severe CTE hmm. associated with it. And that kid had, you know, I mean, been a second year guy, hadn't been a starter. 
Yeah. Uh, so all of a sudden now they're observing it in these guys that didn't necessarily do the body of work like I did. Yeah. Right, right. And didn't play the amount of plays and snaps and all that. And so that's kind of an interesting piece. It is. But then you think like, uh, you know, think about like the level of ferocity and the hits and all those for those mm-hmm. guys 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And I knew, you know, some older players in, you know, Ed White and, and these guys into their 70s and 80s. Yeah. And they were all pretty switched on. So yeah. right. I, I don't it, know. Dude, it's so. What it, is it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Javon Belcher. Yeah. Javon. Yeah. Yeah. He. Uh, yeah. He. That's tragic. He. Uh, yeah. He, he's. He killed. Twenty four. Twenty five. Yeah, he's twenty four. He killed. Did he kill his pregnant girlfriend? Where she had a kid. Yeah. Twenty two. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. awful. And uh, yeah. and then like that was, I mean like obviously like the junior thing was was big, but that yeah. one because all of, but also you know junior played seventeen years. Juniors one is really complex. Like so, I just for for sake of understanding, I try to look at these when 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 tragedy strikes in that way. I try to look at it from the psychological perspective, the full context perspective before layering in that part, which cannot be dismissed. But also I just think it's too easy a target to say, well, it's because of this, you know, like Junior's situation in particular, like didn't he play like almost 20 years at the absolute highest level? So uh, I've told this story on the podcast, but um, I think it was, geez, it was my third or fourth year. I go to the Pro Bowl. um, And so I'm out there and, uh, uh, you know, uh, like, I think it was my second year in the NFL. We were playing San Diego Chargers, and uh, I was playing left guard. And, like, you know, we were running the ball this way. Junior, all of a sudden, who had zero responsibilities. Like, Junior's job was just, like, you do Junior, right? Just go. Like, yeah. 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 So, like, I, you know, and I'm, I'm playing left guard. I'm look, looking around, and I see him, like, this is my guy. He's, like, over here in the slot. Hmm. Now, mind you, we're, like, on, like, the left side of the field. Mm-hmm. He's on the short side of the field in the slot, and we're running back this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ball snaps literally they toss the ball this way. I take off running here. He beat me from the slot over the top and made the tackle on the hmm. far sideline for like a three yard gain. Like it was, it yeah. was so ridiculous. Otherworldly. Like, like there was no way he was getting there. And I thought to myself, there isn't a fucking snowball's chance in hell and I'm going to take the best. And he beat me on the angle hmm. to the point he patted me on the butt and said, welcome to the NFL kid. <laughs> and then when I went to the pro ball, he was like, you're with me. And uh, he yeah. proceeded to drink me under the table. Yeah. Um, and I, I like, I've never been a good drinker. Yeah. Like, you know, as people are like, oh, I can drink all night. Yeah. I'm fucking awful. Not you. <laughs> yeah. I have like a drink and I'm like, I'm good. That's well, uh, yeah. It's like three or four in the morning and he's drank every drink in the bar. I've had, I've tried to keep up and uh, he basically takes me back, pours me into the room. Hmm. I get up about an hour later to go throw up off the balcony and I look out and he's <laughs> on the beach. No. Yeah. And and I and all, all I could think of is this is the toughest man alive. Yeah. Little did I know he couldn't sleep. Really? Yeah, he couldn't sleep. He had oh, all those man. drinks couldn't sleep went out for a run okay well th- that's like and that's, now, that's sad I've, I've only heard good accounts of him yeah, so that was, is a sad story he, for he sure he was an incredible dude and uh well it's such a big heart and yeah. uh, just uh like it it was so cool yeah. you know to have that welcome uh welcome the nfl moment with From him a guy like but that. um yeah. you know when he passed away dude, that was like like that kind of put it like the optics on it but i remember yeah like like that what was his name the kid from the yeah, Jamon Belcher. Uh, that was like that. That one completely blew because I, I, you know, I always thought like traumatic brain injury CTE happens to fucking old dudes that play twenty yeah, years, right? Like Junior Seau, who yeah. you know, fucking plays like an animal. You know, has yeah. you know thousands of plays, plays you know yeah. 300, 400 games, and just slays people. Yeah. You know, and you know hits with his head, and I like like you think like it's like it's something that affects some like twenty year old warrior. Not some kid who's like second year in the NFL yeah. who didn't play as a rookie and is on special teams. Well, and I, and I'll say one of the um, 
the interesting components to all the studies, first of all, there's only like, <clears throat> at least the last time I looked at it, there's, there's fewer than, f I think, 400 documented cases of CTE on the planet. So it's still like a really young... Is that uh, because it's so... Uh, it's so difficult to actually test. Like, yeah, as I, I, I watched right. the movie, uh, which was kind of uh, gnarly. Concussion? Yeah. I they, didn't watch it. Deliberately. Uh, well, I read the book. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, and then, then the movie, and I've, I've seen pieces. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they have to, you know, happens after death in the autopsy. Mm -hmm. They have to, like, slice the brain, like, super thin and yep. put it through this whole process. So it's not an easy process to diagnose. And, and from what I understand, and I'm, like, admitting to whoever's listening that I'm not a doctor and I haven't read up on this recently. But, but you did stay at a holiday in once. But I did. Do you I have did. Twitter? I got, what's that? Do you have Twitter? I do have Twitter. Okay. So, yeah. Well, you're so a I fucking got expert. You're That's good. Right. You have social media, so you're That's pretty right. much an expert. I got everything. The... Um, but but I think it's also one of those things where like it doesn't just pop out. You have to look for it. Yeah. Meaning like there's there is um, from what I understand, uh, neurons cells get essentially choked out by a, by tau protein yeah. spindles, and and the the biomarker is is sort of what they call a ghost spindle. So um, essentially the cell has died, but the but the tau protein is still you can see it, but you got to look for it. Well, you have to treat you know the brain a certain way. Do you, do you know why it doesn't clear? Tell me. Uh, because there's no way to get blood flow to those parts of the brain. Yeah. So, so it's pretty interesting. And this is, uh, we had uh, Dr. Joe Giroudi on the okay. podcast, and he's the foremost expert in the world, or one of them on Giroudi. hyperbarics. Giroudi. Giroudi. Oh. Like Dierte? You tried to French up Joe Dirt. Basically Joe Dirt. Uh, okay. Joe is a 29-year uh, like Navy diver, PhD, yeah. on uh, hyperbarics. And yeah. knows more about this stuff for traumatic brain injury than yeah. anybody. And he, he's and, obviously a proponent of. Well, yeah. well, the idea is with hyperbarics, when you go down in those atmospheres, your body doesn't need uh, doesn't need hemoglobin to get oxygen around the body. Hmm. So uh, uh, basically, oxygen can travel using plasma, hmm. and because it's so small, it can basically oxygenate the brain in places that oxygen cannot normally get to. Wow. So what happens so much with the tau proteins is that they don't have like a source of oxygen and they don't have a way to actually get any blood flow and get, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, circulation there. So on the, with the hyperbarics, they can effectively oxygenate, jam oxygen into parts of the brain that never get it and it can heal TBIs and traumatic brain injuries. And is that like a targeted thing or is that you're in the chamber and, you're and your in the body chamber does what and it this does? Is what happens. Yeah. That's so, interesting. Uh, the protocol though, it's kind of difficult. It's uh, 40 sessions. Hmm. So it's roughly... Yeah like 60 minutes on the bottom at like mm -hmm. two atmospheres. And then it's, you know, 15 minutes up, 15 minutes down. So it mm -hmm. takes roughly 90 minutes. You do it five days a week for eight weeks. And so wow. I, I did the protocol. Oh, you did? Yeah. 40 well, sessions. 40 sessions over eight weeks. And? And um, the problem though, for me at least, is I didn't notice any cognitive problems going in. Yeah. So like people always ask me like, hey, I'm like, I still feel pretty sharp. So at the end of it, uh, did I feel different? Not really. But I know that people that have been fucked up yeah. They notice. They did feel yeah. Okay. They do well, feel tremendous. I mean, that's a good sign, right? Like <clears throat> the other thing that's so difficult about this discussion is like, there is a genetic predisposition for this. There has to be, like you mentioned, like, you know, you know, guys who played 10 plus years in the NFL, get into their eighties, still pretty damn sharp versus a guy who's 24 and it's gotten pretty bad. Uh, man, I, I do think that there's a genetic propensity like there's a genetic aspect yeah but i think there's some other things that are more at play i think uh i think 
and this is purely observation. I've never been able to prove it, so don't ask me to send you a study. But just observationally, the guys who took the most amount of painkillers seem to have the most Dude, amount of problems. Well, I, so yeah, what I, yeah. I think is that the painkillers and the opiates, uh, they effectively do something within the blood-brain barrier, and they break down whether, like, I don't know what it is in terms of like the the neurological remapping or whatever, but I think it makes the brain more susceptible and more importantly, uh, reduces the brain's ability to heal because there's always been this thought that the brain can't heal. That's bullshit. Yeah, If you course. provide the nutrients, you mm-hmm. remove the, uh, the stress and you basically oxygenate the brain using like hyperbarics, the brain can heal itself. Yeah, uh, that's right. I think right. when you start you know, uh, compounding a whole bunch of opiates and a bunch of like, uh, uh, drugs on top of it, especially these opiates. I think what it effectively does, and this is purely observation, like, and, and at least this is the way it makes sense to me. It like eats holes within the hmm. lining of the brain. And they talked about like, you've obviously heard of leaky gut. Yeah. Yeah. So leaky gut where all of a sudden the, uh, the small intestine is, it's almost like a cheesecloth. Hmm. And so it starts eating holes in those little microscopic holes mm-hmm. and they get bigger. And then now all of a sudden things that should get pushed out, get leaking into the body. Yeah. Because because of like the pieability increases of the cheesecloth of the small intestine. Right. They have something called leaky brain. Yeah. Um, now I, I'm trying to remember the book I read. It might've been a little bit of fucking hokiness <laughs> and it might've had to do with gluten. So don't quote me on this, but they did make reference to something similar in the brain as they did in the gut, like a leaky mm. brain. Um, to me, I think the opiates are, are a major player in this. The problem is the NFL's never ever tracked. Maybe yeah. they, they do today, but when I played, they didn't track the amount of opiates. Like, yeah. oh, hey, this oh, guy, yeah, yeah, you totally. know, like, like, like this guy got a, um, you know, prescription of forty every thirty days for for ten years, and now mm-hmm. all of a sudden here he is. With C- oh yeah, you they know. don't track it. Well, the stories I've heard, and maybe some from you, people just toss them like candy on the bus after a game, yeah. practically. Yeah, well, we we used to call them rattlers because yeah. they used to put them in boxes. Yeah, and we the people would shake them. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they'd give them to me if I got hurt or whatever. I usually traded them for beers. There you uh, go. I, I was I was cool with that. But, uh, the, yeah. the the other one was tortol. Uh, sure. The tortol shots, liquid anti-inflammatory, which well, think yeah, is think one about of the, that. If if I could get up every morning and somebody gave me a tortol shot, I could probably fucking still easily you play in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but think about that. So so there's all this conversation, or at least so we don't know the long term effects. No, no, we don't also we don't. know the the effects they had on the brain. But I'll I'll tell you this. I just observationally, yeah, the guys that I knew that were taking the most amount of painkillers are the guys that Worst seem outcomes. to have the most amount of problems to them. Do I, I think you I think you have to be right at least uh, to some to some degree, right? There's something to that. If nothing else, like it's the compounding damage that is like, from what I understand, a major contributor, even like not to like say anything negative about junior whatsoever, but uh, you, you compound damage with uh, excessive drinking and sleep deprivation and drugs and you know, X, Y, Z. One of the worst things you can do after traumatic brain injury yeah. is consume alcohol uh, and crystallize totally. it. I totally. mean, it, like, like there's two things that uh, with traumatic brain injury, you don't pump people full of carbs. Yeah, and that's uh, right. And you also don't fucking let them drink eight hundred beers. I've never, I've never said this before. I've said it to probably very few people, but I think if I could change one thing, you know, I reflect all the time. I got a little nephew now. His mom is, my sister is an all-state football player. His dad is a six-six college lacrosse player. Whether or not he should play football is on. You know, it's going to be a discussion soon. Um, all, All I can think of is. Well, I've written about this. I got podcasts about this. I think we have to take a deliberate and thoughtful approach, put people in the hands of, of, of coaches who are, who have the kid's best interest in mind. But then the only like really explicit thing I would, I would give to him is like, when I was playing in college, the only decision I would change absolutely without question was, uh, the decision to go out 
you know, and, and drink on Saturday nights after games. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's alcohol and sleep deprivation uh, and, and like, you know, after after dude, a we, big football game. Dude, we, we went out and had drinks after every game. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 and that's just commonplace, right? Yeah. I, I lived in Ireland for a little while. Rugby, that's like, you don't even wait till the evening. Yeah, they, <laughs> like, they, they roll the beers you go on from, the field. from the pitch to the, yeah, exactly. Uh, but like, there's such a social component of alcohol. Yeah. And uh, like, uh, do I think maybe like socially having a beer and relaxing? No, I don't think that's a problem. I mean, yeah. The problem is, is when we're out there having like, 400 drinks or yeah. every drink and you know people are fucking peeling after four off. quarters of football yeah that's yeah it's the compounded you know and and then uh and then pizza and euros and sleep deprivation <laughs> man i do miss pizza <laughs> yeah God, it was so good was, no longer no nah, i don't eat pizza I, I i just don't eat uh gluten or carbs yeah. like like those type of carbs didn't you say at one point i thought i heard you say that um didn't you take a glue um like a keto approach yeah. To brain so health too. When I uh, retired from the NFL, I got uh, asked to be in Dr. Amen's study on that's right. Uh, on, Amen, right. Yeah. So Dr. Amen was doing the the concussion study for the NFL. So I went into their group and they ran all these batteries of tests and the whole deal. And uh, they did CT scans mm -hmm. and they did this whole brain mapping thing where they could see kind of like how your brain lights up in different ways. And that's all blood flow, right? Uh, I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, the part of my brain that was most damaged that did not light up was here on my left frontal lobe, hmm. the part that deals with sympathy and empathy. <laughs> so what was wild is, uh, so I, I come in for the... Um, uh, for the consult and like I'm sitting there with like amen and all these people and they put my brain up and they're going through this whole thing and he's like you know you want the good news or the bad news first I will always take the bad news well actually I don't even remember what I said I was like yeah just fucking Layla you know you, yeah, you choose excuse me so he's like well here's the problem like you know I can tell that you probably paid somewhere between seven and twelve years and that the part of your brain that was most damaged is over here on the left side so we yeah. think you played on the left and I was like yeah I played left guard but I also played right tackle mm -hmm. and which would make sense because we did a lot of reach blocking and I was hitting mm -hmm. with a lot of like you know I mean, down block that's the yeah. impact where you're catching yeah. Them. yeah yeah so that I, makes I played sense. left guard a lot of down blocking a lot of that side so um that makes sense uh, so then he goes through and he's like, you know, um, we've seen this part of the brain from the mapping and it deals with sympathy and empathy. And I was like, okay, what's the good news? Yeah. And he's like, cognitively in terms of like, uh, IQ testing and the cognitive testing, you were the smartest dude we had. That's pretty good. And I was like, okay, like ever. And he's like, no, in the group, I'm like, wait a minute, you're comparing me a bunch of morons. Yeah. So that's like being like. That's like being like go. the hottest chick at like, you know, like the. Uh, that's right. And it or, also shows that you had no sympathy or empathy yeah. for those poor well, ones. I, I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. dude, like I'm, I'm not like, you know, that's, that's like right. being the, you know, the fastest <laughs> car of, uh, you know, with all the ones with flat tires. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So we, we get into this whole deal and, um, you know, at the end he's like, you know, do you need anything from us and everything? And I was like, yeah, I really need a note, a doctor's note that talks about uh, this brain injury for sympathy and empathy because my wife and uh, my mother are not going to believe <laughs> that I'm going to get a doctor's note for being an insensitive asshole. That's right. And yeah. the look on their faces was like, I mean, like, you know, like this guy's diabolical, you know. Um, but then the funny part is I laughed. I called my brother and I started trying to explain it to my brother. And my brother's like, first of all, dickhead. Uh, you've never had any sympathy. You've been and like this since you were and he's like three, and, ne and neither do I. And yeah. neither does yeah, yeah, like yeah. like he's like if anything, like I want to get us tested yeah. because I guarantee there's some genetic propensity to just being an insensitive asshole. That's right. Uh, but uh, I, I so I went through his stuff, and then um, I called Matt Lalonde. Uh, I don't know if you know Matt, but Matt's a mm -hmm. uh, you know Harvard PhD. You know, does a bunch of lab and research. Uh, was real big in nutrition uh, a, a bunch of years ago, but since it's become a fucking... Is he on the player study No, out there? No, he just works at, uh, at Harvard. He just basically became a hermit, didn't want to deal with people anymore. Um, but I called Matt on the phone and said, hey, man, uh, I've had, you know, like, this is the, the diagnosis I got. Like, 
what's available to me. Yeah. And so he's like, hold on. So he basically woke up all of his minions and said, Hey, I want you to pull every research article that we've ever seen on TBI. And he had them do this like, you know, deep dive crunch. And about 10 days later, he called me back and said, uh, uh, I want you to start on a ketogenic diet. Hmm. Um, he goes, there's a, some really amazing information about ketogenic diets in terms of healing traumatic brain injury, hmm. uh, both chronic and uh, acute. And so um, I went on, I mean, I didn't eat any more than like, basically I didn't eat a carb for almost a year. Really? Yeah, like nothing. Like, like I mean, it, like if there was a carb anywhere near it, I didn't eat it. Wow. I basically survived on like meat and olive oil and coconut oil. How old were you? Uh... 30, 32, And you were married? No, I was not married. At oh, gotcha. So yeah, 30, 32, 33. Yeah. And uh, it was, um, I mean, it like, it wasn't necessarily a bad deal because I had started, uh, er, like as a rookie in the NFL, I got hooked up with a guy named Mauro De Pasquale. Okay. And Mauro yeah. wrote the anabolic diet. Mm-hmm. And so we did a cyclical ketogenic diet. So I was familiar with ketogenic diets. Mm-hmm. I just had cycled it. So mm-hmm. I was like, fuck it. If, uh, if this helps me get on the other side of this thing, I'll, yeah. I'll do it. And so, um, I did it for a year and I remember I went up and visited Rob Wolf and, uh, Rob was like, man, I like, he, he, he was always kind of my barometer still is this day. Uh, Rob's like, man, like, like I've noticed a change and, uh, he's like, what do you think? So we went out, we got a bunch of sweet potatoes (laughs) and like, I remember he made all these Japanese sweet potatoes and I ate like three of them. And then I slept better than I'd slept in like years. Is that right? And then I woke up and, uh, you know, so Rob's anniversary is right around new year's. I think it's like new year's day, new year's Eve. And so I went up and just hung out with he and his wife. And, um, but yeah, that was a, a year doing that. And then, uh, you know, there's also uh, a bunch of like cognitive testing that's since come online that I did recently before I did the hyperbarics. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty excited to go back and, and, and retest that after the hyperbarics. So the hyperbaric was pretty recent. Yeah. I just got done on um, New Year's Eve day. Oh, nice. Can I ask, how much did that cost? Uh, 200 bucks a session. So there's some limiting factors. It's, it, it wasn't cheap. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but the, but prob- the hell though, what do you have well, worth it? Right? Well, well the, the problem we ran into is we had Dr. Joe on the podcast Yeah, and uh, I had all these people DMing me like, Hey, what do you think? What do you think? And I was like, it sounds amazing. And the next question is, have you done it? Yeah. And I was like, no. <laughs> and then like, how come? Yeah. Um, one, cause I'm, you know, I just don't have the time and it's expensive in this. And I, I remember talking to my wife and she's like, you know, you're going to have to do this yeah, just so that you can speak from a level of authority. And she goes, and it also looks kind of disingenuous that you've had him on the podcast twice and haven't fucking done it. Yeah. And at that point I was like, you're right. I have to do it. And, yeah. uh, it, it was really good because now I've had people since hit me up and I can actually speak from like uh, a level of experience. So would you say you're a pretty good case study for the whole CTE discussion, meaning you have enough time playing football, but you also have been thoughtful enough post career, sort of tried all these things. Like, man, I I, I really am starting to believe, um, man, this is going to sound fucking wacky. Um, Charles, how wacky can we get? Wacky enough? Let's get weird. Open the gates, Charles. So, like, think of, we we had this gal on the podcast. Um, uh, who is the um, uh, the Indian doctor? that wrote the- uh, Tara, Tara Swart. Yeah, Tara Swart. So Tara Swart wrote a book called The Source. Okay. And, and in it, she talks about like, um, you know, these action boards and like basically like if you can see it, it becomes your reality. Mm, yeah. And so like, uh, you know, uh, and if you talk to people about it, like, oh, that's so hokey. And I, you know, like like the story of Jim Carrey writing himself like mm-hmm, a, a $100 sure. million dollar check and basically <clears throat> writing it to himself and putting it in his wallet. And then like, you know, like, you know, two, you know, like 10 years to the day in which he wrote it to himself, he like makes, you know, yeah. or maybe it was, 10 it was like Ace Center or something. Yeah, like yeah. he gets paid $10 million mm-hmm. and he, he looks and he has his check. So I think a lot of times like what you put into the universe 
becomes your reality. And I think with like uh, Tara Swart and that source, I mean, she's like was a PhD MD, super switched on. I don't even know how the hell we got her on the podcast. Tex, that was great. You're welcome. Good job, yeah, Tex. Uh, but incredible book. So much so that I went and made these action boards for all my kids. Yeah. And I made them for myself. I changed mine constantly. And uh, I start believing that like how you view yourself and more importantly, the energy you put into your world yeah. ends up becoming who you are. Hmm. And uh, I've seen this all too much, especially with like, uh, you know, like e- even my good friend, Kyle Turley, you know, Kyle wants to talk about his brain injury and how, you know, this and like, and a, a lot of this stuff, I'm like, Kyle, like you keep repeating this shit. This is going to become your like fulfilling, pro- like, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. prophecy. Right. And, uh, you know, and he's like, well, you have it too. I'm like, honestly, dude, I don't have any of the feelings that you have. Yeah. Like the things you talk about are foreign to me. Like I don't have this feeling of love, love loss and loneliness and like all these other stuff. Like, like I can get up and I can do long division without getting a headache. Like I can sit down and read all my kids' books and teach them, you know, like, like, uh, as we're getting into math, like I can teach my kids all this stuff. Yeah. Like I can, yeah. you know, like I'm over there, you know, doing flashcards. I still know all my times tables, all the things that you claim that, you know, have left you. Yeah. I still can access all this stuff. I can still get on a podcast and fucking ramble for hours. <laughs> You, you, yeah, you can talk for sure. There's no question. I, like, I, I don't, but like, I mean, a, I'm with you. There's something to that. Well, there, I, I like, I've always kind of chalked that shit up to like hokey, like, yeah. like hokey. But, um, so I, I don't know if you saw the new Matrix movie. Not yet, but uh, I will. But, but like, there's something like, and, and people hated it, but I, I kind of dug it. Uh, what I did like is that whether or not it's you or it's some, master person that's planning this thing out like do i think it's like elon musk who's like i think we're living in some form of ai reality and this you know like if that's the case like what what not like i think something to like what energy you put out into the Mm -hmm. world yeah ends up becoming your you know your reality and uh yeah if if, uh if i sit around and you know i'll tell you this um to switch gears but um playing in the nfl and doing that job at the level which I got to do it was more fun than anything hmm. I've done since then. Hmm. Like I, I've, I've really enjoyed traveling the world and teaching CrossFit football and the interactions and the events and all the shit we've done. But there was something extremely gratifying about fucking strapping it up on a Sunday and running out 100 miles out of the tunnel and basically going and laying a beat on some dude for three hours. Yeah. Why hundreds of thousands of people cheer your name. Like, uh, and, and what's wild is I never heard anybody in the crowd. It was like a pin drop, but I knew they were there. Mm. And the fact that there were people that were cheering for me to fucking destroy some dude, it like, it was really primal and it was fun. And you know what? I was good at it and, uh, I got to play at a high level and I handed more beatings out than I, than I took. And I think like you retire from that. And it's something I did since I was 14 years old and I Mm. retired in, you know, my early thirties. So for 20 years I get to do this. And then, you know, what do you do after that? Right. You know, then the NFL goes, nope, gone. See we'll see yeah. you. Go yeah, fuck yeah. off. Go do something else. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, when I retired, uh, you know, CrossFit hits me up. We go teach CrossFit football. Next thing you know, we're fucking traveling the world. I never even had a moment to sit and feel bad for myself. Like, yeah. Oh, woe is me. I just transitioned right in. And like the amount of information that handles on a single day for power athlete, almost to the point of fucking overwhelming and feeling like choking yeah. is good because it's like, I'm constantly drinking from a oh, fire yeah. hose. Totally. Like, I mean, the neuro- like, there, you're alive up top. No question. Yeah, like, yeah. like there's Always. never a day where I'm driving around being like, woe is me. You know, fuck, I don't have a time for that. I got three kids. I got a wife. I mean, dude, like there is not a moment where like, you know, like what did I do? We, you know, we had a week off after Christmas. Um, you know, I mean, sure. Like Chris, what did you do during that week? Well, I, I alternated the week. I went and visited my sister pre-Christmas. But you showed up and worked. What, that week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. So yeah. so Chris came back to work. 
I cut down trees in our backyard. Yeah, that's so right. So like, yeah, we, we were cleaning the creek and, and like cutting shit down. Some people are just movers, and, man. And like, uh, like, uh, it, you know, yeah. it, it's cool. I asked my kids like, what do you want to do? And they were out there. We'd like set shit on fire, burn stumps. Like, <laughs> like, like there's always some adventure to have. Um, and, and I, I think what happens all too much yeah. is sometimes I think people like the re- like, I think I hear what yeah. you're saying. Would you agree that, that, that maybe well, there's so many layers, which you said that I want to peel apart, but, but one of them I think that you're really touching on is there might be a difference between, um, awareness and indulgence and it's a fine line, right? Like you want to be aware of concerns, mental health and otherwise, but but there but people do run the risk of, if you linger in the, in the place of damage for too long then it yeah. does it can become a self fulfilling well it, situation it's, at times uh, like I I'm, I'm sure you've met people that have come from like horrific upbringings yeah, yeah. and they've somehow like transcended and mm-hmm. become these amazing people and these amazing stories and when they talk about it they talk about it like a chapter in a book and a footnote they don't dwell on it, it like like yeah. hey you know I mean and, and I've I've met people like that like every time you talk I'm to sure, them yeah. they have to like preface it with this and I'm like yo man like that was 20 years ago yeah. like what have you done since then and and a, a big thing with uh, NFL players and athletes like I I also am stoked to have contributed and done something um, bigger or, you know, at least for me in the community in which where we are as impactful as playing in the NFL. Yeah. Like if, can you imagine if you're Terry Bradshaw and here you are 60 years old and you've been on TV all these years and they're still showing clips of Terry Bradshaw as a quarterback. Yeah. And so forever you're known as Terry Bradshaw, the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Yeah. What's Terry Bradshaw done in the last 40 years other than get up and be a pundit talking about stuff and uh, like it, you know, and, and he has done other stuff. I'm sure, sure he has. I'm sure he has. But yeah, I don't know what the fuck yeah. he's done. Like what's his contributing? Like does he yeah. have a, a charity? Does he have a, uh, a cattle ranch? You know, are there pictures of him fucking driving cattle and trying to he change America? Acts in Adam Sandler movies. He has. has. he been in some <laughs> Well, I, but, uh, but, but like, we, well, you so know we gotta wind it down. Like a question for Jim. Like, yeah. what is what is your twenty two vision board here? My twenty twenty two oh, vision action board. board. Action, action board. Action board. So, well, here's what I would say to all that because I think there's there's validity to this. I, I think there's validity to the concept. Um, you know, at, at the very cornerstone, a lot of our work falls under what you, what you could call social emotional learning, uh, character development, life skills, stuff that like legitimately will help you for the, for the course of a lifetime. At the very foundational level of of any sort of character development, there are three big pieces. It's self-awareness, purpose, self-management. And you got to hit the big three. And without the P, without the purpose part, um, you know, th- there is no self-management outside of a direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, like you've got to get a place. To, otherwise, what are you managing toward? You, like there's obsessive compulsions that are, you know, there's all sorts of things people do that are purposeless. But... I've- I think if you don't, and not, not to cut you off yeah. with it, but I think if, um, uh, like, like if you're so in, engrossed in your own thoughts and like, you know, like your own, like, uh, you know, in inside yourself so much yeah. without something externally pumping in, I think it can, and especially for NFL players, especially retired NFL players that lived on this high and had all this community and all these other things, I think it becomes a fucking dark place. There's no doubt. And I think once you enter that dark place of like, hey, you know what? Because it, it, it's a shit, like very few people get the Ben Roethlisberger or the Tony Gonzalez yeah. where they get to roll out after 18 years and everybody mm-hmm. cheers their name and they get to walk away the way they want. Right. Right. Most people end kind of like I did where you get hurt and they meet yeah. you at the door with your shit and say, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then you go home, you have surgery and then you know you have to make a decision where you have yeah. teams calling you to come try out again you're like dude i'm a 10-year starter and you want me to come fucking try out for the minimum right so like like i think that darkness creeps in people's heads yeah 
And if you don't have positive things around you and other things that are projecting out, like one's self-worth, yeah. uh, you know, purpose, um, I want to do this, like positivity, exercise, like physical, like all yeah. these other things, I think it's really easy to turn that in. And when you turn that in, it gets dark as fuck. True and for everybody. And I think that idea is just exacerbated in the NFL population. I think as much as any sport, because even at high level basketball, like you said, there's not 100,000 people cheering. It's just not the same. There's nothing that can replicate football. I agree with you. I think that's a, that is a sort of a steep cliff post NFL career. And I think being rudderless or purposeless and just being out there, you know, those guys, what's the longest possible NFL career? Like Tom Brady is going to have 40 plus years of life. Hey, quit dodging the question, man. What do you want to accomplish this well, year? I'm trying to address the man's comments. So, so the What's, point, what does his action board look like for yeah. 2022? The, I think the thing, it's interesting that we're sort of tying a, a vision board with, with a conversation of post career NFL, because I think purpose is the central factor. And it, and, and the point is it does guide your actions at least subliminally, hopefully intentionally. Does that make sense? So like once you identify the purpose, once you have the vision on the board, you, you start to make little decisions that contribute toward it. And sometimes you don't even realize um, you're all of a sudden you're watching freaking you got welding on there. You're watching YouTube videos on welding, whatever. It's just like it's there. It's alive. You're keeping well, the candle lit. Well, I think um, not to have like a lot of distractions, but I think you have to be uh, like so. Uh, Playing the NFL, you become such a specialist. Right. It's like, like this is what I do. This is who I am. That when I retired from the NFL, I didn't want to be a specialist. I wanted to be like a renaissance man. Like, yeah. I, like I wanted to learn new things. I wanted to be able to like, yeah. like work with my hands. I wanted to be able to work on a computer. I wanted to be able to speak and you write, write a this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, I wanted to be a complete person, not just like, okay, I can only do this job with my right foot forward, my left foot back and my, my left hand down. Cause right. there were the dudes that could only play on the left side. Sure. And I could play left and right. And I'm like, well shit, if I can play on both sides of the ball and I can play guard and tackle and yeah. I can do all this stuff, why can't I add all these other things to get, yeah. uh, to, to the equation and increase who I, who I am? Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are like, oh, woe is me. I'm a football player. I'm a broken toy. And you're like, mm. fuck it, go find a new island. <laughs> I like, well, that's interesting that you say that because I think to answer Texas question, I would use that idea and the idea would be, uh, like transfer. That's like, my big thing is transfer. How, and when I'm in the weight room, um, can I teach lessons that transfer to other places? How can I frame lessons for, for young people playing football or whatever that ensure that they, they do have, uh, a long and healthy life career professionally, whatever it might be. Uh, post and I think that's true for me as well. So on my vision board, it's how do I take the action board? Action. I'm sorry, action <laughs> board. Uh, how do I how do I take all this coaching that I that I've been doing for the last you, yeah my entire you just need life. like one word, big word, amua. Say it again. Amua. Amua. It's uh, Hawaiian for forward. Forward. Yeah. Amua. Amua. So my training partner uh, in college, a guy named Drake Parker. Uh, went to Kamehameha schools, Hawaiian dude. And uh, his, uh, the school, when he played at Kamehameha schools, their like yeah. slogan was Amua. And yeah. I asked him once, he just like means forward. Dude, and I so think I know this. Yeah. Whenever, Is that on the boat? Is that what yeah. the, yeah. 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 When, when they were rowing forward, mm -hmm. forward, like paddle as hard as you can, Amua. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I think of like, you know, uh, a problem or, you know, getting, you know, bogged down on shit like happened to me today, I just like, get in the car, drive, and I think, mm -hmm. Amua, like, let's go somewhere. Let's yeah. get something done. Like, we got to move in this right direction, Amua. I, I love it. I am Amua. 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 Well, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm thinking about at this stage of my career and life, how do I transfer the things that have, that have happened in the first 30 plus years um, into the next however many? 
Well, sounds amazing. Let us know yes. how we can help. And Appreciate you. Guys. This won't be the last time that we speak this year, Jim. No, I assure you that. Well, I look forward to the next time. I appreciate it always, guys. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can learn more about Jim Davis and the Good Athlete Project on Instagram at Good Athlete Project. Until next time. Bye. Drop on, drop on.